attachment. I never wanted anyone to love me. Not in the way that romantic love dictates. The drama and dependence, the I can't live without you neediness of it. I don't want anyone to depend on me, to require my fidelity, my presence. I resent it, actually, and I reject it. Just as I reject wanting to depend on someone else, to love them. I don't know what it means. There is a blockage somewhere in my emotional flow that prevents my capacity to give freely of myself, especially to those who want, especially to those who demand. And that is why, instead of assignations, hookups and transactional dates, you pay for dinner and maybe I'll open my body to yours, you'll find me alone in the cinema, with the simulated love and the simulated sex and the pretend joys and disappointments. I sit in the front row of a simulacrum of love that flickers past me in my dark, happy hours. Unreal, unengaged and completely unattached. I did try, a few times, but I always walked away, and when I didn't, they did, pointing out my defects as they closed the door behind them. Why attach yourself to someone only to be made to feel smaller than you are? Why combine your energies only to somehow become less than what you were alone? I know, to love is to risk rejection. But that's not the risk that concerns me. I will not be diminished in the name of love. Unless you can make me feel more, be bigger than myself, my best version of an already strong self, why would I want to attach myself to you? Sex? Better my own way. Not being alone, I crave solitude and independence. Children? Absolutely not. Am I deficient? Is my unwillingness to attach an indicator of some past trauma? I don't care for all the psychoanalyzing. I just want to sit here in my dark afternoons watching people pretend to feel. Maybe I can learn how to fake it better. Maybe that would make everyone happier. I'm on a learning curve. Today's lesson, the signifiers of romance. The Proofs of Love, a film in which a girlish woman delights in the ritual of being brought breakfast in bed. The rose on the perfectly laid tray, the coffee pot and napkin just so. The miniature bottle of something with the fizz that is probably already lacking somewhere else. She reaches up for the kiss, her lips already wet with desire, because she was brought food on a tray like an invalid in a hospital. He meets her mouth, and they have carefully choreographed sex where she comes, miraculously quickly, at the exact same time as he takes his pleasure, then straightens his tie and leaves for the real work of the day. I snort quietly in the darkness and shift in my seat. She receives the gift so that she can receive his gift, and there ends today's lesson. At home, I decide to try some proofs of love for myself and lay a proper table. Cutlery, linen, wine in a clean glass, food I cook rather than have delivered. No helmeted bikers tonight with their lukewarm offerings. 
I sit and receive the gift to myself. Some minor adjustments are required. A book alongside my hand as I eat. Music, sonorous in the background for atmospherics. It is a tableau from a film in itself, the meticulous spinster setting her place and eating alone. Except now, no pity from the audience. No suggestions from her wistful face that she could still meet the one someday, that this loneliness isn't forever. I shovel the food into my mouth with pure, lustful greed, grateful that I have no company to keep, no one to please, no one to have to talk to while the wine dribbles onto the cloth with its gory stain. I do not mind my manners. I love myself in this moment, and I take complete pleasure from it. I accept my gift, and I rejoice in its excess. I take myself to bed, joyfully alone. Work happens. The banal chat over coffee of who did what, with whom, and how much it cost. There is such a wide range of prices to pay for these stultifying template lives. From debating which in-laws to visit this weekend to the horrors of sharing a bed with the great snoring fart of a man. I both shudder and stifle a yawn. What did I do? Yes, I went to the cinema again. On my own? So weird. Yes, I am there a lot. Maybe I will meet someone there. Maybe. Maybe I'd rather poke my own eyes out. I return to my desk. Inserting my earphones to ward off further irritations... I start to look at the online film listings for the week to come. I settle into my seat, always in the front row, view unimpeded, no irritating bobbing heads. The peculiar, unique smell of well-used pseudo-velvet seats and stale popcorn. It heightens the sense of artifice. Time spent here is time out of time. A world where people listen, not speak where we pretend to enjoy the discomfort of proximity to strangers, fake foods and the pressure of an impatient bladder. I make my visits in the afternoons when I'm less likely to be disturbed and can give my full attention to the dramas unfolding on the screen. There are more lessons to be had in this theatre of make-believe. Today, I learn about the act of self-love, this apparently controversial piece of cinema allows the female protagonist to dwell on and adore her own body in front of a mirror, in front of the camera's gaze. If she were truly alone, this would not be provocative. It would be the purest act of love as she soothes her own skin, finds joy under her own touch. But this tenderness is mediated by the lens, by the watching eyes of anyone who lingers here. By its very nature of being a scripted act, it falls prey to titillation and erection, to third-person lust, so far removed now from perhaps what the director intended. It would be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen were it not performed, observed and thrilled to by a mass of bodies on these worn velvet seats. The lesson learned? Self-love must be private and enacted completely alone. It does not require external validation and observation to be deep and true. I just need myself. I start to make plans. 
How does one seduce oneself? I think about what I would like someone to do for me. A delicious but light meal full of sharp flavours. Just enough to awaken the senses but not to satiate. A couple of glasses of good wine, drunk slowly and appreciated. The whole experience lingered over, unrushed and savoured. No sudden lunges or clumsy grabs, no sense of deserving my attentions simply because I accepted your invitation. A film, something that needs my attention and is sensual, provocative, something to send signals to the nerve endings that it's time to wake up, to play, to become immersed in sensation and pure pleasure that belongs only to me. I take time to create a noodle dish, making a savoury bright broth, chopping fragrant herbs and enjoying the effort I'm making for myself. No one else to please, no face to watch fall in disappointment at my wasted work. A bottle of crisp white is cooling, ready to relax and refresh as I enjoy my meal. I've also made a small lemon pot, which sits in the refrigerator, dusted with a little icing sugar and topped with a mint leaf. The details are important. They show how much I care. I lay my table and I take my time, enjoying everything I have done for myself. After my meal, I make myself comfortable on the couch with a final glass of wine and start the film. A much-loved story, but one not watched for some time. Intelligent sex in a bowler hat with a little Eastern European history. I remember why it used to stir me. It is sexy without sleaze, and it engages my brain as well as my body on a slow burn. I don't have to explain why I like something too slow, too wordy, too anything that detracts from the need to cut across the rhythms of the evening and insist on my acknowledgement of someone else's desire. There are different ways to start this fire. The scene with the mirror reminds me of the film I saw at the cinema earlier that week, the unapologetic self-regard of the woman in the face of her own beauty and sex, the confident artist who can leave or share her lover. There are different ways to be, to love. I take the time to look in the mirror at my own body and really see the skin I live in. Still smooth and firm, with a few lines threading the inevitable process of ageing. There are places with defined, firm muscle and others that are softer. But what does that matter if I see something I can delight in like a lover seeing a new partner's body for the first time? It is an adventure to explore this territory and see it from the point of view of an admirer, to seduce with a touch, a stroke, a look. I meet my own gaze and smile slowly as I greet myself, the excitement is far more than I expect and intense. I start to enjoy the heat of my own body, its scent and its tastes, licking at my own skin like I'm trying to get deeper inside myself. I want to know myself completely, my shapes and angles and joys. I take myself to bed and I'm lost for a long time in my own desire for myself. I cannot leave myself alone. A shy smile as I catch my own gaze in a mirror or passing window. The quick thrill in the belly 
at the thought of what passed the night before. I know. She knows. We know. I have become addicted to myself, attached beyond all normal parameters to my own body and mind. I am we. I am us. That long-despised unit where two become one. But I am not subsumed. I am doubled. I am more than the sum of my beautiful, sensuous, intelligent parts, and I worship at my own feet and mouth and breasts and the folds of my groin. I lust for my own scent and the touch of my own skin. I am consumed by myself. At work, I flick between the screen in front of me and the one in my head, the cinematic canvas over which my body stretches in its own self-induced ecstasy, all the love lessons internalised and acted out on their own beats, to their own self-authored script of adoration. I cannot wait to get home and seduce myself again. I am completely attached to the love I have found for myself. The phone is ringing. It's the office calling to ask me where I am again. I switch it off and roll over in bed, tugging the now grimy sheets around me. I haven't been able to leave the house for days. The air is fetid and thick, and I am slick with my own sweat and juices, but I won't stop. This is no longer even attachment, but addiction. I cannot bear to leave myself alone. There is nothing for me outside, not even the cinema. I am bedded in at my flat, this locus of self-adoration and worship. There is only myself and my body, and she will not be satisfied. I loved her in stages, delicately, but she wants more than I have been able to give. I tasted slowly, but she demanded great gulping bites of love, where a look was a thrill, a touch almost unbearably sensual, now nothing satisfies. I can't get deep enough inside myself to unravel my own mysteries. Separation is going to come at a cost. I carefully set my teeth to the tender inside of my forearm, the points of my incisors sharp against the skin. Testing, I start to bite a little harder, pressure building until the tension gives with a feeling of surprise and a tooth gains purchase with the slightly salted taste of blood. My blood. This is how I will give up my secret. If I can know the inner workings, listen to the whisper of the blood as it creeps through my veins, maybe I can understand my wants. Maybe I can learn how to separate from this insatiable self-love. I can't bear this need. Teeth are not enough. They tear ragged cuts, and I do not love the taste of my flesh. I need a clean-edged blade if I'm to get in. I draw a knife from the block. It is Japanese steel, the sharpest blade I have ever owned, and it is going to help me cleave myself from this attachment. I sit in the bathtub to catch what I'm about to throw away. I know there's no coming back from this. No clean severance. It will be a messy breakup and very likely final, but there is no going on with this. I take a breath. 
I had tried again at least with this last configuration of love, but I must release it, free myself from where I again found knots and ties. The knife is so precise, so exquisitely sharp, that I don't feel the pain as it first catches and bites. A suspended pause and then... There, a searing burn and my own stunned gaze at the cinematic spurt of blood against white tile as the blade glides through an artery. A great gout sprays again, and then again, and again, as my pulse pushes out this needy lover with each remaining laboured breath. She is out. Birthed as the life in me drains and stutters to a close. We are two again. I am unattached. Alone once more, and seated in the relief of the encroaching dark. The lights go out. My learning curve is done. <laughs>